All right, let me quickly see how far we can go. We won't go far into this today. So, but today we're looking at the most holy place. And that's the conversation we've been having in the last couple of weeks. The most holy place. Like the children of Israel, we are on a journey. We cannot afford to stop and we cannot afford to slow down this journey. Last week, our brother Ben told us about the stragglers and warned us about being a straggler before. Now, the Amalekites were nomads and they were not happy that that number of people, you know, were passing, you know, across their space. But they couldn't attack the number. They couldn't attack because there were quite many. So what they did was to follow them behind. And so those people that were tired and were slow and were very sluggish, the Amalekites were picking them one after the other. But those who were in the thick of the journey were protected. And so the lesson there for us is that we need to continue the journey. Do not be on the periphery. Do not be in the outer court. Do not be in the outer court. And we said, on this journey, our destination is Christ-likeness. But we cannot become like him without stepping into the most holy place. Remember, there is the outer court, there is the holy place, there is the most holy place. Coming into the fullness of Christ is achieved in the most holy place. Not in the outer court and not in the holy place, but in the most holy place. Why must we progress to the most holy place? Number one, that is the desire of the Father. God wants us to come to full nature and the full measure of Christ. Secondly, because that is what will keep us safe and secured in the midst of the crisis. Ben reminded us, he said, believers are falling victims to all forms of darkness because they are not moving with God. Believers are falling victims to all forms of darkness because they are not moving with God. And so we have to keep moving. You can't afford to slow down. You can't afford to build permanent structures. You have to be living in booths and in tents so that when God says it's time to move, you move. And you have to travel light. You have to travel light. You can't go with a lot of baggage. You have to travel light. Another truth that we interacted with is that God's ultimate purpose for man is not salvation, but representation. Salvation is just a remedial measure after the fall of man. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, we see that very clearly. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, representation. Make man in our image and our likeness. That is representation. Let's duplicate man. So that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky. Over the livestock and all the wild animals. And over all the creatures that move along the ground. And Ben reminded us and he said, God has not stopped this plan. God still wants to see people who are in his image and in his likeness in the earth. And that we cannot attain if we do not come into the most holy place. Pentecostalism is not the destination. 
Pentecostalism, Pentecostalism is still part of the journey. And so you can't stop there. And there was something he said that stood out to me very strongly. He said, God never saved the people with miracles. What he looks out for is righteousness. In the time of Noah, he wanted to save humanity. He reached out for Noah because Noah was a righteous man. Even Moses, Moses didn't have power to perform miracles. It was because of his meekness. It was because he needed to show the miraculous. That's how God gave him, activated the staff that he used. And to remind us and to prove that miracles do not save people. You remember what Christ was saying about Ty and Sidon. And he said, if the miracles that were done in you were done in Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah would have been saved. And he said, on the day of judgment, it will be lighter for Sodom and Gomorrah than for you. And that's a clear indication that people can experience the miraculous and yet not be transformed. We can manifest and display power and display the anointing and people are still as carnal as man can be. And nothing is wrong with gifts. Nothing is wrong with that. But what we are saying is that there is more in God than that. And that's where God is taking us into. And so in this journey, God is calling us into Christ-likeness. And we are the generation in this kairos that God has set for man to become one with Christ. And this is a privilege for us. It's a privilege. We are having this conversation today because the season is upon us. If the season had not arrived, nobody would be talking about Christ-likeness. We are having the conversation because the season is upon us. This is a set time for this generation to emerge. This is the set time for the new breed to emerge. This is a set time for Christ-like people to emerge. That is why we are having this conversation. We are having this conversation because God is ready to release the grace. And the grace is being released already. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8 verse 29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So I want to say that God foreknew you. And he predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. That is why you are here. That is why you are here. That is why you are not somewhere else. Where they have been talking about financial empowerment right now. That is why you are not somewhere else where they would, have, they would have been talking about receive it and claim it. You are here because God has predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. Hallelujah. That's why you are here. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And of course, our popular scripture, Ephesians 4 verse 11 says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is the season. This is the season. And one of the things we've learned is that the fullness of Christ is locked in our DNA. So what we are doing right now is that we are stirring it up. 
So when we talk about Christ-likeness, don't think, oh, I can't be or it's hard. No, it's actually locked in your DNA. And so what is happening right now is God is activating that which was locked in your DNA. Because you were made in his image and in his likeness. Yes, it was lost through the first Adam. Jesus Christ came to restore that to us. And the church has been on that journey from the day of Pentecost till today. As a matter of fact, in the Jewish calendar, today is the day of Pentecost, right? There are some churches actually celebrating it. So today is like Pentecost Sunday. And so Christ-likeness is in your DNA because you were made in the nature and in the likeness of God. So we are reclaiming that which was lost. And so it's actually in the most holy place that we become one with him. In the most holy place, we are struck by light and all we see is him. In the most holy place, all we see is him. And the blinding light that we are struck by blinds us to darkness and opens us up to see only Christ. In the most holy place, we are not trying to imitate Christ. He lives through us. In the most holy place, you are not trying to imitate Christ. He lives through you. In the most holy place, we become one with him. In the most holy place, you will not struggle to do the right thing. In the most holy place, it will become your default to live like Christ. In the holy place, you can still be doing what will Jesus do. And then you're trying to wire your mind to think about the possible responses of Jesus and then you are lying. That you do in the, most holy, in the holy place. But in the most holy place, there's a fusion because it's the place of intimacy. The most holy place is the place of intimacy. In the most holy place, you no longer struggle because flesh, which is what we struggle with most of the time, has been dealt with in the holy place. You know the order and how it works. What is dealt with in the outer court? Sin. Sin is dealt with in the outer court. What is dealt with in the holy place? Flesh is dealt with in the holy place. And so for us to be spiritual, sin, for us to be saved and to come into the outer court, sin has to be dealt with. But for us to come into the holy place, what has to be dealt with? The flesh. And when the flesh is dealt with, we are spiritual. But for us to step into the most holy place, self has to be dealt with. And then we become divine. And that's why we said last week that there is a state beyond spirituality. It is divinity. That is a point that cannot be replicated. The devil is a, is a spirit. There are different kinds of spirits. But in the most holy place, is a place of intimacy. It's a place where we become one with him. And that is where God has brought us to. Hallelujah. In the most holy place, we will no longer struggle to please God. In the most holy place, we will defer to God more than we defer to self and to flesh. In the most holy place, we will live completely for him. It's actually in the most holy place that we become fully like Christ. And so in the most holy place, we will not try to imitate Christ because he will be living through us. And Brother Ben reminded us, he said, it is such men and women that will change territories. It is such men and women that will do what? 
change territories. It is such men and women that can make a difference in Nigeria. Because the most holy place is the place of complete death to self. Complete death to self. Because no self is allowed in the most holy place. In the most holy place, the high priest would not come up with his own ideas. The sons of Aaron, they tried it. They offered the wrong kind of fire. They took God for granted. What happened? God killed them. Literally. So in the most holy place, there's no room of, there's no room to, you know, maneuver and to improvise. You only respond to the command of the Father. Because that command is actually emanating from the inside of you. In the most holy place. As a matter of fact, we can say that Adam before the fall was there. Because Adam did not see God as an external entity. The conversation and the fellowship Adam had with God was taking place from his inside. It was the fall that brought that separation. Adam, every time he had that conversation with God in the garden, it was just Adam walking and God, and there was nothing else. God was with him, but it was, it was in God. It was in God. But it was the fall that disrupted that. But we are reclaiming that in the most holy place. When we are fully one with God. In the most holy place, most of the things we struggle with in the flesh will not be there. They will not be there. A lot of the struggles we have in the flesh will not be there. The power of addiction will have been broken. As a matter of fact, like we said, the flesh is addressed in the holy place. And that is why for us to fully make the most of the most holy place, we need to go through all of the workings of God in the holy place. Because there's no place for flesh in the most holy place. It's where we become one with him. He said the purpose of every new generation is to reveal new light, right? And there's a new light that our generation has to reveal. That's why God is forming us. I was at a meeting yesterday and I was on a panel and one of the panelists said, we're talking about the delegates. Please, I want to ask if you're here and you, and you have your voters card, can you, can you raise your hand? Please, up, 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 up. So this is about how many percent? Did you help me look around? Did you don't have your voters card? You are registered. Hey, raise your hand now. Okay, if you are, if you are registered. Okay, if you, are, you are registered, right? But you have not collected. But you are sure you will collect. Raise your hand. Ah, thank God. Thank God. Man, you guys just made me feel very bad. Because I was at that meeting, I, I, I asked the same question. About 30% raised their hand. It's really, really important. It's really, really important. We, we, you can't be complaining when you are not involved. As a matter of fact, you have no right to complain when you are not engaging the system. You have to be involved. But the people that can actually, the reason people are saying politics is you know, dirty, is because there are no clean people in that space. Come on, give these politicians some credit. What do you expect from them? You're actually expecting too much from them. And so we have to stop expect, expecting too much from the politicians. If people like yourself will not be involved. So we have to be involved. And we're talking about delegate system. I mean, you guys saw everything about the delegates, right? And one of the guys on the panel was saying that there was this other delegate in Kaduna that collected his money and was sharing in the community. Great guy. That was an exception. And there was something he said because he knows him. The guy on the panel yesterday knows the guy because he said he was his campaign spokesperson, you know, in the state when he was running for office. And he said, this guy cannot construct full sentence in English. I said, eh? And let me say this. You see, most of the people that choose and will choose your president, who you will vote for, they are like that. These are the people that will choose the people you will vote for. 
Because be the way it works is that the delegates will have to choose the presidential candidates. And it is this presidential candidate that parties will put forward. And then you, educated, nice looking, you will have no choice but to vote and choose between the evils that those people have put forward. You won't have any choice. You see, believers, we left politics and we left it. That's what, the result is what we are seeing all around us. Oh, it's for dirty people. We will keep complaining. The, ones that, the people who chose them, they can't speak English. The people who chose them, they are the people they will give $10,000 they will collect. As a matter of for some, 5000 5000 naira. They will collect. They are the ones choosing the people you vote for. And so we were talking and, and one of them said that you can collect the money and then vote who God will tell you to vote for. And, I mean, he's, and he's a brother in the church. And I understand. I mean, that's where we are. Popular church. I mean, that's where we are. That's how we engage. But the point I want to make is that, no, for us, we have to go beyond that. It is not okay to collect that kind of money. And I said on the panel, I said, I said these politicians are smart. They won't just give you money and they will, you will make commitment that you will vote for them. And so if you now go and Holy Spirit now tells you to vote for someone else, how would you explain the money you've collected? How can you justify that? You've actually lied. It's as simple as that. But again, these are the things we do as Christians today. It's no longer a big deal. Lying is not, like, it's not a big deal to believers. Open stage, company of believers, church program is not CSO, NGO program. Church program. And the guy said, collect the money, then vote for who the Holy Spirit no, no, you can't do that. We can't do that. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Darkness cannot trump darkness. We can't be lying and be doing all of those things as believers and expect things to change. No. And so the people who are collecting the money, there are people who money still rules over. Just what I'm saying. There are people who money still rules over. There are people who have needs, but their needs are greater than their sense of self-worth. There are people who, who don't have any qualms selling their conscience. These are the people making the major decisions for us. And so it is not okay to lie. It is not okay to collect the money promising the politician you will vote for him and then you now allow the Holy Spirit to take you elsewhere. It is not okay. Maybe he thought mentioning the Holy Spirit will make it sound okay. No, it's not okay. It is not okay. And so this is the character of people that are going into politics. And then we will continue to complain because these people will recoup their money. You see all this money they are sharing? Do you know who will pay for it? You and I. You and I will pay for it. We're already paying. We've been paying the ones before. See this one, we'll see pay. You see, all those people that gave 100, 100 million, you thought oh, they wasted, they didn't waste money. It's deal. It's investment. And they will give them jobs. The jobs they will not complete. That's why we really, we really need to rethink politics. And so as believers, we can't do that. It is not okay to lie. It is not okay. And I told them, I said, see, the Bible is complete. You can raise your children with the Bible. You do marriage with the Bible. We can build a nation with the principles and the values of the kingdom of God. It's a complete book. It's a complete manual for life. But because we deviated from it, that's why the world is where it is today. And so for us as believers, it is not okay. It is not okay. So that is the new generation that God is raising. In the most holy place, it doesn't matter your lack. You will not take what is not yours. You won't have an excuse for it. In the holy place, maybe, your flesh can say, you need to pay bills. In the most holy place, if you perish, you perish. It's easy to say, Esther, if I perish, I perish. But in the very little things, you know, nobody's even perishing you here. Nobody's putting a gun to your head. Very little things. Nobody's putting a gun to your head here too. And it's easy for us as believers, if I perish, I perish. Like Esther. 
But in this case, no gun to your head is between you and the money. Nobody's forcing you to take it. And we can't say no. So what would then happen when the real temptation comes? What would then happen when you appear before Nebuchadnezzar and he tells you, bow to me or I throw you into the fire? What would then happen? That's why he says, if Nigeria becomes better, our churches will be empty. That's the truth. By the time Nigeria becomes better, that's why I'm thinking whether or not Nigeria should become like Sweden. Because the truth is this, the moment Nigeria becomes like Sweden, Switzerland that we want, our churches will be empty. Because most of the reasons our churches are filled is because the needs that government ought to meet, government is not meeting those needs. That's why people are in church. Anyway, it's millions, it's for miracles, what they can get. Electricity that government is supposed to provide. Health centers that government is supposed to provide. A lot of healing ministries that we have carry healing ministry to Sweden. It won't sell. You can open healing ministry, El Shaddai, healing ministry international. You won't get customers because the healthcare there takes care of that. That's the issue with us. This is third world Christianity that we are practicing in Nigeria and in Africa. We are not here because we love God. Our churches are not filled because the people love God. Our churches are filled because the people want something from God. And the moment they get it, they are gone. But the generation that God is raising today is a different, it's a different conversation that we're going to be having. In the most holy place, it's not about you. It's not about what I want. It's not about any of that. It's about God. And that's what God wants to see in the earth. Hallelujah. That is what God wants to see in the earth. And that's what God is preparing us for. Here, God is going to raise men and women that will sit on budgets that will be running into millions of naira and of dollars. Deji has not seen his budget yet, but trust me, he's going to be running into millions of dollars. But you know what? He will account for every penny. He will have to account for every penny. You find yourself in a place where you are signing for yourself. You have access to the entire company or the organization's account. You're signing for yourself. You're signing for your bosses. They never come to you one day and say, let's see the books. And yet, in the midst of all of that, you have bills. Sometimes money does not come early for you to pay your rent. Can you hold yourself? Can you hold back? This is what God is raising today. And this is what happens in the most holy place. It doesn't matter the pressure. You will not shift your values. You will not compromise your values. You will not remove the ancient landmarks. This is what happens in the most holy place. Because flesh is being dealt with in the holy place. In the most holy place, self is being dealt with. As a matter of fact, the issue of not stealing is actually in the holy place. So that you can have a good picture of where you are. The issue of not stealing is actually a conversation in the... As a matter of fact, it's actually a conversation in the outer court. It's just that because this, we brought down the standard so low that it becomes a conversation in the holy place. It shouldn't even be a conversation in the holy place because it's like debased. It's like, you know, I said it, when we live in sin, it's like you're living less than who God has made you to be. It's debased. It's debased into lie. Is debasing to cheat. Is debasing to take advantage of the next person. It is it's a debased spirit. I mean, it's spiritually, it's very debased to live that way. And so, in the in the most holy place, self is dealt with. And I like the example he gave concerning self. It pertains to those of us who are in, all of us are in ministry, particularly those who are called into the fivefold, those who are gifted. You have gifts. 
In the holy place, you can use it to build empires for yourself. You can use it to make yourself popular. And we've seen and we can see all around us how people have used the gifts God has given them to make themselves prominent even than God. In the holy place, you can do that. You can use your gift to, pro to profit yourself. But in the most holy place, you can't do that. In the most holy place, whatever God has given you is for the people. It's for the people. And he said to us, he said, what you gain is Christ-likeness. What you gain is the nature of God that is built on the inside of you. That's why when I met Shaddai, I told him, I said, man, what is in your hand? Develop your skills. You are in ministry, develop your skills. Go and work. Go and do business. Particularly when you want to tell people the truth. When you want to tell people the truth and not lie to them. You don't put money in your pocket if you want to tell people the truth. But people don't like to hear the truth. Not here, but sometimes I just imagine people will be like, Pastor, after you talk like this, now you want me to come and give offering. You know, and so in the, in the most holy place, you can't use whatever God has given you for yourself. Your ministry is to bless people. It's not to build empires. You are the gold of God. All of you here, you are God's gold. Let me tell you this. All of you, you are more important to God than me in the scale of things. In the scale of things, right? This is more important to God than this. I will not be here if not for you. I got called. My call is because of you. I am standing here because of you. You are more important to God than me standing here. You are God's gold and you don't touch God's gold. And so I can't use you to profit me. No, I can't use you to build an empire for myself. No, it's not allowed, especially in the most holy place. Because everything like that is self. My ministry, self. My empire, self. This is not my church. This is God's church. If God shows up tomorrow, I say, Fred, Lady Kemps, pack your bags, move. We move. And the truth is, there are structures that we are putting in place right now in this place that if anything happens and God says move, this place will be sustained. And so we are not building this for us. No, it's not. My, my benefit, our benefit is God. Our portion is God. It's God. And so in the most holy place, self is dealt with. Self is dealt with. They don't want to become popular for the sake of it. And doesn't mean that you can't become known. You can become known. But you're not the one engineering it. So self is dealt with. And that's why I asked, what is it that you do simply because you can? You will address that in the most holy place. So in other words, you can't just do things simply because you can in the most holy place. No. It has to be what God wants you to do. It has to be what God would have you do. I can't just take a decision. Just do this simply. No. In the most holy place, no. It's God who works in you, works through you. And that's where God is bringing us to. The most holy place. So self is addressed in the most holy place. It's not my ministry. There's not my church. This is the church of Jesus Christ. And so whatever gift God has given me, I can't use it to profit me. No. Our gift is for the body. It's for the people. Self is addressed. That's why in the Old Testament, the Levites, in that sense, they were not, they didn't, go, they did, they didn't, have, they didn't have inheritance, right? Huh? They didn't have inheritance. When they were sharing the land, God said, Levite, the tribe of Levi gets nothing. He said, I am your portion. Right? He said, I am your portion. You get nothing. Because you serve with me. You stand before me on behalf of the people. So I am your portion. And that's where God is bringing us to. So at that point, you can't, self cannot prevail in the most 
holy place. So let's look at some of the things that we brought up penultimate Sunday about the most holy place. The character of the most holy place. This is just recalling those things that we listed. We said the most holy place is the place of the hundredfold, right? That's the hundredfold. That's when the hundredfold church will be birthed in the most holy place. The most holy place is a place of concentration. So as, you're, as you concentrate on Christ, you become a concentrated Christ. The most holy place is a place of fire. Or let me just go back and just remind us about this. We said the outer court is 30-fold, right? The holy place is 60-fold. The most holy place is what? 100-fold. The outer court is faith. The holy place is what? Consecration. And then the most holy place is what? Concentration. We said the outer court is water. The holy place is spirit. Say, I will baptize you. There's water baptism. And there's also what? Spirit baptism. There's also what? Fire. The most holy place is fire. You, ba- you are baptized. By- <laughs> it's fire that will baptize you in the most holy place. It's not the spirit. So Pentecost is a spirit. So Pentecostalism and everything that we've experienced in Pentecostalism is the holy place. The most holy place is like the tabernacle. It's a tabernacle. It's, it's indwelling of God. When is it talk tabernacle, God is coming to dwell in us. That's the most holy place. And we said the body is the outer court, right? The holy place is the soul. And the most holy place is the spirit. And we have the outer court natural man. The holy place spiritual man. And then the most holy place the divine man. The outer court, you talk about the kingdom. The holy place, you talk about power. And then the most holy place, you talk about glory. The outer court, you are concerned about bread. The holy place about manifestation of power and anointing. And the most holy place, the divine nature. The outer courts about salvation. The holy place about service. And the most holy place about, about what? Sonship. Sonship. The outer courts about the foolish virgins. The holy place is about what? The wise virgins. And the most holy place is about the bride. The outer courts about the way. The holy place is about the truth. And the most holy place is about what? The life. The life of God. The outer court you are called. The holy place you are chosen. The most holy place you are faithful. There's the glory of the star outer court. The glory of the moon holy place. And the glory of the sun most holy place. There's kingdom, there's power, and there's glory. Hallelujah. And so this is where God is bringing us to in this season. And lastly, I want to say this. This is where we will walk in the peace that passes all understanding. You will walk, you will enjoy peace that will not make sense. Do you know why it will not make sense? There will be turbulence around you, but you will maintain stillness and the people will understand. Things will happen around you. People will expect you to be agitated. People will expect you to be running up and down, but you will be still in the midst of it. And he said, the validity of your faith is inner peace in the midst of the crisis. And I like the example that he gave. Jesus Christ in the midst of the turbulence. And as he was there, the disciples were what? They were frantic. And he said, the greatest demonstration of the power and the dominion of Jesus was not the fact that he rose up and then said, still, be still, peace be still. No, that was not it. The fact that he could be sleeping in the midst of the raging storm. That is where God is bringing us to. Because sometimes, you know we've said it. You can't stop the darkness. 
Hallelujah. You see the darkness that is coming upon the earth? You can't stop it. You can't be, oh, everywhere let there be light. No. Darkness will characterize the last days. But you will become point of light in the midst of the darkness. That is the manifestation of Christ in the most holy place. That's why Christ was able to sleep while the storm was raging. That is where God is bringing us to. We will not be able to put out the darkness, but we will become the reference point of light in the midst of the darkness. Let's rise to our feet. And I want us to just press deeper again today. And say, God, you know where you are. God is bringing us as a community to the most holy place. But as an individual, you know where you are. If you are still in the outer court, it's time to transition. If you are still in the holy place, it is time for us to transition. As a kingdom community, we are transitioning into the most holy place. And so if you are still in the outer court, it's better for you to meet us in the, most, in the holy place so that we can transition together into the most holy place. If there are certain things in your life that still look like the character of the outer court, I want you to put it on the altar this morning. If there are certain things in your life that still look like the character of the holy place, I want us to put it on the altar. Walk with the Holy Spirit. This is a moment of transaction. Reflect on your life. We are before the altar of sacrifice. And the fire is burning. In the outer court, sin is dealt with. And so if there are still what Paul referred to as besetting sins in your life, can you put them on the altar this morning? Put them on the altar. 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 Is the flesh still raging in your life? The works of the flesh. Let's put them on the altar. This is a moment of vulnerability. This is a moment of vulnerability. If self is still raging in your life, this is a time to put it on the altar. Every one of us in this room, we have something to put on the altar, including me. We have something to put on the altar. And we are before the altar of sacrifice. Let's put it on the altar. 
We are coming into the most holy place. We are coming into the most holy place. Access has been given to us. So whatever it is that is capable of holding you back, put it on the altar. Whatever it is that the enemy can use against you. As Joshua the high priest was in the temple about to offer sacrifice unto God, because his garment was stained, the devil used it against him. The devil stood and accused him because his garment was stained. God had to order that a new garment be put upon him because he couldn't progress, he couldn't proceed without sacrifice, without getting his garment changed. What stains do you have on your garment this morning? God is ready to put on you a new garment. God is ready to put on you a new garment. God is ready to put on you a new garment. He's ready. He's ready. He's ready. What are the struggles? What are the struggles? In some cases, they may not even be struggles that you can put your fingers on. They may be proclivities. They may be tendencies. There may be certain areas of your life that you know you are not fully certain. Somehow, you're telling yourself, if I find myself in this situation, will I be able to stand? Put that doubt on the altar this morning. Are there fears that have been locking around in your heart? Are there anxieties? Put them on the altar. The fire is burning. The fire is burning. The fire is burning. The fire is burning. He said, I will sit as a refiner's fire and I will purify the sons of Levi so they can offer an offering to me in righteousness. The refiner's fire is here. The refiner's fire is here. Are there weaknesses in your life that you have carried for so long? The refiner's fire is here. The refiner's fire is here. Are there bodies you've carried for so long? God is here. He's inviting us into the most holy place. It's a place of intimacy. It's a place of oneness. It's a place of glory. It's a place where he lives in and through us. It's a place of peace that passes all understanding. It's a place where the yoke of sin is completely destroyed. It's a place where the burden of sin is completely removed. It's a place where we are no longer slaves to time. It's a place where we are no longer slaves to money. It's a place where we are no longer slaves to power. It's a place where we are no longer slaves to bread. It's a place where the enemy will not have power over us. Where there will be nothing he can use against us. 
where we can say like Jesus, the prince of this world comes and finds nothing in me. The prince of this world comes and has no power over me. It's a place where the enemy cannot use anything to seduce us. Where he cannot use money to seduce us. Where he cannot use material things to seduce us. Where the enemy cannot use power to seduce us. Where he cannot use gifts to seduce us. Where he cannot use anointing to seduce us. It's a place of total freedom. It's a place of oneness with the Father. It's a place of reclaiming what was lost in the first Adam. It's a place of full restoration. It's a place of full restoration. It's a place of full restoration. Access has been given to us. Access has been given to us. This is the time. This is the season. 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 More beyond the altar court. More beyond the holy place. Come into the most holy place. Come and reclaim that which was lost in the first Adam. Your place of glory. Your place of dominion. Where you can exercise dominion over everything that God has created. It's a place of total freedom. Freedom from anxiety. Freedom from fear. It's a place of safety. Safety from the crisis that will characterize the end of time. You have made us holy. It's a place of wholeness. A place of completion. A place of perfection. A place where we become like our Father. Fully like our Father. Exercising dominion over everything that He created. Oh, perfect. Perfect in you, God. Broken as is being here. Broken as is being here. It is not God's desire for us to live with brokenness. 
as we advance into the most holy place, every form of brokenness in our lives will be fixed. And they are being fixed right now. They are being fixed right now. Brokenness is being fixed right now. Because the most holy place offers us wholeness. The most holy place offers us wholeness. There is no fracture in the most holy place. There is no fragmentation in the most holy place. There is wholeness in the most holy place. And so whatever brokenness you may have lived with, it's been healed right now. It's been fixed right now. Every form of brokenness is being fixed. Every form of brokenness is being fixed. God is bringing us to a place of wholeness. God is bringing us to a place of wholeness. In the most holy place, there is wholeness. There is completeness. There is no brokenness in the most holy place. There was no brokenness in Christ. He was whole. He was complete. Thank you, Father, for wholeness. Thank you for access into the Holy of Holies. Thank you for access into the most holy place. Thank you, Father, for what you're fixing on the inside of us. Thank you for besetting sins that you are addressing. Thank you for flesh that you are addressing. Thank you for self that you are addressing, oh God. Thank you for self, oh God, that you are addressing. Thank you for making us perfect in you. Thank you for making us complete in you. Thank you for making us whole in you, oh God. Thank you for removing from us everything that the enemy can use against us in the midst of these last days. Thank you, Father, for for removing from us everything the enemy can take can take can take advantage of in our lives, and everything the enemy can use against us. Thank you for making us whole. Thank you for making us complete. Thank you for making us perfect in you, oh God. Oh, Father, we give you praise. And thank you for healing. Thank you for healing, God. Thank you for healing. From every form of brokenness in our lives. Even the ones we are not aware of, Father. We ask that you reach deep into our core. Heal us, oh God. Reach deep into our core and heal us. Reach deep into our core and heal us. The brokenness we never knew existed. The brokenness we never knew existed. Father, heal us from our core. Heal us from our core. Make us whole. Make us whole. Bring us to perfection. Bring us to completeness. Make us like you. Make me whole like you. Make me perfect like you. Father, heal every form of brokenness. Heal every form of brokenness. Make me like you, Father. Make me whole. Make me complete. Make me perfect in you, O God. Father, we are the generation. And this is the Kairos moment. 
for you to have a new generation.